we would like to welcome you to our weekly broadcast of Harvest Worship Center's Sunday morning celebration service. We hope and pray that you will receive something from the Lord today. And we ask you to stay tuned at the end of the message for more information concerning our church. Again, thank you for joining us today. This is the last uh, sermon in this series, Unseen, this morning. And it's Unseen opening of the eyes. I want my eyes open. I want God to give me eyes to see and ears to hear in this hour that I'm living in. I want him to give me the ability through the Spirit to interpret the times I live in. Amen. To not walk ignorantly through these times, but to interpret the, the, the hour in which we live and to see. Amen. Because I think we get so distracted by other things that we're missing the bigger picture a lot of times that that this world is on a, a time limit. It's, it's, it is. Um, and I would stand along probably generations of preachers that said the coming of the Lord is, is soon, the coming of the Lord is soon. And I feel like that we are a lot like what Peter spoke about in his writings, that we've heard that so much, we've become in, indifferent to it. We've become actually just calloused to that word, that the coming of Christ is at hand. And I'm telling you, we need eyes to see in this hour. We need ears to hear in this hour because we have got to quit allowing the world to interpret the circumstances of the world to us. Amen. In other words, some of us, we're allowing the world to interpret the circumstances we're walking through as individuals. And we need God's Spirit to come and open our eyes. The spiritually blind... Uh, eyes have uh, have to finally see the kingdom. We have to see the kingdom of God. Jesus said, "The kingdom of God is not where you, here or there." He said, "But the kingdom of God is within us. It is within us, and we have to see the unseen kingdom. We have to see the unseen work of God, and we do that by our eyes getting opened to what God is doing. When blind eyes see, great things happen. Opening opening our eyes to the activities and the presence of God around us is one of the most critical things." That can happen, and we're going to base this, anchor this in John the ninth chapter today. So uh, they'll get some lights uh, up for you, and you can read along if you want to with me. If you have your your uh, your Bibles with you, but John nine verses one through eleven. Let's read that, and then we're going to get into this this morning. As he passed by, he saw a blind man from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man has man sinned or his parents but that the work of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming and uh, when, when no one can work. Now, I want to just take a moment before I read more of this passage to kind of give you some explanation. When he is referring to night is coming, he's referring to the season in my life, Jesus is referring to himself, is coming to a close on this earth. And he said, where my work will be finished, Okay, your work's going to continue. He didn't say the disciples' work. He said the time's coming when I when when this light is going to go back to be with the Father. Okay, and so he's speaking of himself. Let's continue. Verse 5, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with mud. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of, of, of Shalom, which meant sent. So he, he went and washed and came back seeing. 
And the neighbors, uh, the neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. Verse 10 says, So they said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? And he answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, uh, Go to Shalom uh, uh, and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. Now, I just kind of want to make a side note here. I believe those who were saying this is the man, those were those who were seeing through faith. Those who were saying they didn't see the man, those were the ones who were kind of spiritually blind to the situation. But the man kept saying, I know that I was once blind and I can see. They said, well, how did this happen? He said, the one called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and told me to go wash in the pool and then my eyes would be open. Now, um, as I studied this out, you'll find there is no significance to the name of the pool. A lot of people will say there was significance there. It was just a pool uh, that had rushing fresh water in it, and it was used to supply fresh water to the city of Jerusalem. But it was also a place where a lot of pilgrims would come to refresh themselves and they weren't when they were on a religious journey to the city of Jerusalem. So many people were affected when they went and saw this man wash his eyes and he, he could see. Now this pool was massive. As a matter of fact, you could get down into, everybody in here could have gotten down into this pool. It was huge. And so uh, 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 it was cut out into the rock, into the ground. And, and so it was a very uh, public place and he went and he washed and he received his sight. Now, we're going to get back to that in just a moment, but let's get into kind of what I want to set up for this. The one, of the one of the greatest miracles I believe recorded in the Word is the receiving of the sight to the blind. I know there's a lot of good miracles in there, and, I, and, 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 and you can differ with me on that, but I believe one of the greatest is people who had no, no sight whatsoever, and they received their physical sight. What a wonderful gift that might be. In other words, the feeding of, of, of the thousands is an awesome miracle, and I'm not taking away from that, but full bellies to me is far different than eyes that were blind that can see. I want you to think about that. Um, as a matter of fact, if you're lame, you can get by in this life lame, but not being able to see is a very difficult thing. You can't, you can't function very well. And so he, he received his sight. So in my opinion, this is one of the greatest miracles Jesus performed. When John the Baptist was in prison, he, he sent his followers to question Jesus if he was really the Lamb of God. Or should they look for someone else? The first words out of the mouth of Jesus in response to the disciples of John the Baptist was, the blind see. The blind see. Very significant that he didn't list the lepers cleansed first. He said the blind are seeing. And so I believe there's a great significance to, uh, to God that eyes are opened up, that we begin, those who cannot see, see. And though there may not be someone in here physically blind, might be this morning, I believe that there are times in our lives that we all have been spiritually blind. We have all needed our eyes open to the things that are around us. And I believe we're living in a time where we need to be aware of what is around us more than ever before. And we need to be able to see that which is unseen. God, open the eyes of your church. Open the eyes of your people that we might see what is really going on and might see through spiritual 
visualize what, what you're trying to accomplish. In other words, uh, uh, I've never been blind, but I did get a chemical burn in my eye once. Anybody ever had that happen? I got a chemical burn in my eye once, and, and I had to go see a, a doctor on a Saturday, and they treated it, but that eye had to remain covered for a couple of days. And I remember the inconvenience, though I knew I could see, I, I, I had to keep the light so it would heal and repair. I, I can remember the discomfort that I felt. I, I can remember how horrible it was and how miserable it was just having one eye not functioning the way it should. Watching TV seemed different to me. Driving a car seemed different to me. Dr uh, you know, I wasn't able to read. I, you know, as a matter of fact, it was my, my, my dominant eye, so it was really difficult for me to even read the scripture or to, to focus for very long because I would get a headache because I was putting all the pressure on this one eye to see for me. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that was just a moment, a couple of days. I can't imagine not seeing ever. And this guy had never seen. But he was born blind. And as a matter of fact, the scripture kind of alludes to the fact that he might not have even had eyes. Okay, that he was born without eyes, or, or at least his eyes were, were deformed. And so when God fixes the problem, he fixes it right. And so, uh, we'll, again, I don't want to get ahead of myself. We're going to get in there in just a moment. In, in other words, uh, spiritually blinded people, there is also a spiritual blindness that only Jesus can heal. Jesus once told about the condition of our hearts in a message about the soil found in Matthew 13. In verses 13 through 15 of chapter 13, of Matthew, it says, This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive, for the for the for this people's hearts have grown dull, or the or another word for that in the Hebrew is calloused, and their and with their ears they can barely hear, and with their eyes they have them closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. God is saying if people would just get their eyes open and their ears open today, they would begin to turn to me and they would begin to find the healing that they need. I want you to understand something this morning. God has the answer for what our world's facing today and that answer hasn't changed in 2,000 years. The answer is the name of Jesus but we cannot afford to be blinded in this hour that we refuse to turn to the one that is the great physician and the healer of the heart, the soul, and the mind. I want you to know in this house this morning, there is everything you need, and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Everything you need. There is no doubt that we live in a world that, that is spiritually blind to the things of God. Unfortunately, they were all, inclu they were all included uh, in, in this claim according to Jesus. Just because I'm saved in my, uh, from my initial blindness does not mean that I don't need a touch from God every now and then. Sometimes I feel like I get some spiritual farsightedness or some spiritual nearsightedness. Anybody in the room? And I need God to touch me again and open my eyes again. Sometimes I am so overwhelmed by the darkness of the enemy that comes along to attack that I am so far focused on the darkness I don't begin to see with my eyes and hear with my ears the Spirit of the Lord declaring, I'm the light of the world. 
I'm the light of the world. Turn to me and I'll make things better. Turn to me and I'll make sense of what's going on. We, have, we all have those moments where our faith withers and, and, and in our walk with God. In those moments, we must, we must begin to trust in that which we cannot see, seeing through eyes of faith instead of our physical eyes. There's too many of us that are trusting in what we see through the flesh and not what is spoken through the Spirit. The subject of our talk this morning isn't a, a theological debate about the condition of the soil of our heart. This parable of the sower says some seed fell upon the rocks, some fell upon, uh, you know, eventually gets to, some fell into good soil. So that's not our focus this morning. Our focus uh, isn't even about uh, making better soil that the seed can take root this morning. Uh, our, in other words, the world uh, uh, that that is pertaining to that, are, that we're, the word that we're going to share this morning is a pertaining to our hearts this morning. In other words, the condition of our spiritual blindness. In, in, in other, I want to see God this morning. How about you? I want to experience the presence of the Lord this morning. So that's what we're going to be talking about. Times we use phrases every day, and we need to really begin to understand what we use every day. Let's, we're going to look at that in just a second. 1 John 4.10 says this, In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation of our sins. That word propitiation just means the atonement, the substitute. In other words, He took our place and He said, you can't fulfill the law so I'm going to fulfill the law for you. You can't do it on your own. You can't restore your sight on your own so I'm going to be the atonement. I'm going to step in and I'm going to be that substitute, that propitiation of your sin. In other words, he put it all on himself so that you and I could be free this morning. He put everything on himself so that you and I might see this morning. He took away my blindness so that my eyes might be open this morning. By the death of Jesus on the cross and by the resurrection from the grave, Jesus became the mercy seat of God to reserve the condition of mankind. Or In other words, uh, he, he came and took the hand of a sinful man and he put it in the hand of a holy God and he reunited that which was broken. This morning you and I have access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. This morning we have access to the Prince of Peace if we're struggling for peace in our life. Today he is still uh, commands the wind and the seas and the storms he still is able to do that which we feel is impossible I want you to know the God of the impossible is in the house this morning so don't limit him don't restrict him he's ready to move in your life if you'll let him he's ready to move in your heart if you'll let him at the fall of Adam, Adam in Genesis chapter 3, we all suffered from the disease of sin. This disease caused blindness to the presence of God moving in our lives or in the lives of men. It, causes, it caused separation, alienization from, the, from our rightful place with God in creation. We were, dwell, we were created to dwell in the presence of God and, and, and the paradise of a garden, not to dwell through an earth under a curse. I want you to hear me this morning. And Jesus has come so that you and I might escape the curse. Amen. That we might escape the curse that was brought upon us by our own actions in Genesis chapter 3. Romans 3, 23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's not one person in this room that's perfect. There's not one person in this room that has arrived at heaven's gates yet. I want you to know I'm one of those people. I'm just on my way to heaven just like you. I've just been told to preach a little bit about it. I want you to hear me this morning. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6, 23, however, 
whatsoever says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The free gift of God. God says, you come to me and I'm going to give you my son. It's free to you this morning. You say, oh no, I'll have to give up this. I'll have to give up that. I, I, I want you to understand, I've never given up anything that was, that was worth my salvation. In other words, I wouldn't trade anything that I had to give up for the salvation that I have today, for the freedom in the Holy Spirit that I have today. But there are a lot of people, we're looking at the world and our eyes are getting intoxicated by the things of the world, not the things of God. God help us this morning. That deserves punishment and sin, or, or, or that deserves punishment. In other words, sin, the wages of sin, the Bible says, is death. Yet the world also proclaims that the gift of God, or the word also proclaims that the gift of God is eternal life. That w- the, the will of God, according to the scripture, is to save us from this spiritual blindness. John 3, 16 says, uh, says it very plainly that what we can find, uh, uh, we can find sight. We can see clearly why for God loved us, he gave his son. So what? My eyes might be open this morning to the things around me. Are you truly seeing the things around you? Amen. Why? Because God doesn't want any to perish, but all to come to eternal life. The complete work of Jesus on the cross bridged the gap that that separated us from this holy God. It did the completed work. Listen, God didn't come and just halfway do it. He did it completely. And, and, and because he did it completely, that means he didn't leave any sin out. There's not a sin in this room he can't wash clean. There's not a sin in this room he cannot forgive. There's not a life in this room he can't turn around. And there's no blind eyes he cannot open. Our God is in the room and he does a complete work. Amen. The act of reserving our standing before God was purchased with the gift of God. In other words, the mercy is mercy and compassion of God has been given to us that to, to save the unsaved, to be the savior for the unsavable. Oh my goodness! How many of us have looked at situations and we have written people off? We've written them off. We've said, they're done. They're going their own way. There ain't no hope for them. And so I'm just going to move on to those that might have a chance. I want you to understand God hasn't written off anybody in this room. Thank you, Jesus. He hasn't written off anybody that I've written off. God still loves them, amen, and he's still reaching to them. He's still working on them. We need to understand the mercy of God. Love was and is the motivating fact of God's, of God's purpose to make the, unsee, the unseeing see. It is always going to be his purpose to make us see a God that loves us. Amen? That loves us. In other words, that word propitiation is just that fancy word for atonement or appeasing. In other words, because of our sin, this God had to be appeased, this holy, righteous God. And there was not enough goats, there wasn't enough lambs, there wasn't enough bulls, there wasn't enough blood of all the animals on the world that could wash away all the sins of mankind. So Jesus came to this earth, he stepped through the veil, he was born in that manger, he grew grew in the the Bible says in wisdom and fullness and stature and anointing and I'm here to tell you today I'm going to proclaim it as loud as I can today he came he died on a cross he went to a tomb he came out on the third day and he said let there be light let you see again let your eyes be open mankind can be restored because of the gift of Jesus amen he could not bear heaven without you so he sent his son Acceptance or rejection of Jesus does not diminish or increase the finished work of salvation. What do you mean, Pastor? I mean it simply this way. Whether you want to believe he did it or not does not change what he did. 
Amen. Whether you want to accept that he's here to open your eyes or not does not change the fact that he did it. As a matter of fact, if you don't want to deal with the biblical Jesus, you still have to deal with the historical Jesus. Amen. There really was a man named Jesus. History tells of that. And this man Jesus shook the world to the place that, guess what? Our very calendar is decided by his death and when he, was, when he died and when he was born. In other words, before Christ, B.C. Our very world has been affected by the historical Jesus, whether you accept by faith that he was the Son of God or not. you got to deal with him historically. So whether you want to believe in the finished work of Jesus or not does not diminish or enhance the work of salvation. Amen. And another way of saying this is you don't have to receive it or even believe that Jesus died. It happened and it's fact. Amen. By faith in the atonement is what covers us in the righteousness of Christ. In other words, we are clothed in Him because of the blood of Jesus that was spilled on the cross. Hebrews 2, 13, uh, 2 verse 3 says, How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at, the first, at first by the Lord and is now uh, attested to us by those who heard. In other words, the, the writer of Hebrews is saying you can neglect it all you want, but if you neglect this great salvation, there is no other salvation found. If you, review, if you reject Jesus this morning, you reject His offer to open our eyes this morning, there is no way to get your eyes open besides Him. There is no other way to heaven besides Him. Number two, spiritual blindness is not cured by our own actions. Grace is the ruling out of all human effort to place the unsaved soul in the covering of Christ's sacrifice. Ephesians 2, 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Now, let's just kind of backtrack there, and I want to, I want to hit that statement again. Grace is ruling out all human effort to place the unsaved soul in the covering of Christ's sacrifice. In other words, there there is nothing that you and I can do to, to earn our salvation. You can't attend enough church. You can't pay enough tithes. You cannot do enough good works. You cannot do enough good deeds to obtain salvation. It takes a surrendered heart and a surrendered life to Jesus to receive this salvation. That's it. That's it. So there's nothing you and I can do to earn. So why do we, you know, after we're saved, why do we do church? Why do we, you know, there is so many people attacking church today saying, we don't need church anymore. We'll just do it here. We'll do it in our homes. Do you realize that's a lie? Do you realize that, that they are fighting the very vessel in which God created to carry this glorious gospel? And I, I understand why they're fighting it, because church has been blind. They have strayed away from their mission and their purpose. Come on, let's just talk plain this morning. A lot of churches is all about how they can build themselves and their name and their fame. God help us the day if we ever become that, I'll resign that day because it'll never be about me. It'll never be about a name on a sign. It'll never be about a building. It is about the work of Jesus on the cross of Calvary and I'm here to tell you, we gather here to worship that God. Amen. And the church is the vehicle of that message. Amen. It's great to have believers around us. Amen. How many of you are encouraged just by people around you worshiping? This? Amen. Isn't it a little easier to worship when you got a whole, a whole bunch of people worshiping with you? 
All right. I remember you can be swayed real easy. Um, when I was a freshman, or not freshman, I was a junior in college. My dad was pastor on the west side of Atlanta, and there was a lady there who was just awesome because she worked for a big corporation in Atlanta and would get box seats to all the great sporting events, and she would leave me tickets. And I got to, I, you know, and I'm talking about uh, you reach out and touch the on deck person at the Braves games. Okay, this was at Fulton County, so I'm dating myself a little bit. Some of y'all don't even know where that's at. But uh, anyway, because it's not there anymore. Uh, but I can remember she got, got me tickets to the Peach Bowl. Okay, and, and so the Peach Bowl was going on, and it was North Carolina State playing Eastern Carolina. Eastern Carolina was a 24-point underdog, okay? I didn't have no dog in that fight. I just liked football, and I had tickets to a bowl game, and I wanted to go to a bowl game. So my roommate from college, I called him up and said, hey, you can, uh, you know, you can spend New Year's with your family, or you can come down here, and we'll go to the Peach Bowl. And he said, see, I'll be there in a minute. And so he gets in his car, and we, all, we go to the Peach Bowl. And so our tickets happened to be right on the dividing line between the North Carolina State fans and the Eastern Carolina fans. All right, North Carolina State comes out and does everything they're supposed to do. They are putting a whipping on Eastern Carolina. And you know what? It was a good game. But then all the, you know, I was, I didn't root for anybody. I was just kind of like, wow, that was great. And when the other team would do good, I would root for them. And they, wow, that was great. I just enjoyed the game. But all of a sudden, Eastern Carolina comes out after halftime and they turn the tide. And that place, man, I was an Eastern Carolina fan before. I, I mean, it was awesome. It was David and Goliath. It was watching the tables turn. And I mean, before long, the crowd got me caught up in the moment. And I'm going, yeah, man, Eastern Carolina rocks. I couldn't even told you where Eastern Carolina was at that time. But I was caught up with that enthusiasm of the crowd. And it was a lot easier to be a fan of that team when you're surrounded by the fans. Sometimes we struggle through our week and God creates this place so that we can come in here and I look over and I see brothers and sisters worshiping God and, and not being ashamed of it. And it makes me want to lift my hands a little higher. <laughs> makes me want to shout a little louder. Makes me want to, to, to find the strength that I couldn't find all week. I begin to find in people that believe like I believe that Jesus is real and worthy to be celebrated. I wonder if we've got anybody here. By the, by the way, I'm not, I'm not really wanting fans of Jesus. we got a lot of fans of Jesus. You know what that is? People who, oh yeah, I, I want to go to heaven. I'm a fan. But then they live like the devil all week long. No, I'm looking for people who want to be followers of Jesus who can stand up and say, you know what, I, he's worthy to be praised this morning. I wonder if anybody would like to praise him this morning. I wonder if anybody would like to lift him up this morning in this house because he's worthy, amen? He's worthy of my affection. He's worthy of my praise. He's worthy this morning. Amen, amen. Look at somebody beside you and say, thank you for helping me worship him this morning. And if they didn't, say, hey, come on, get with it. <laughs> Amen. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of our own doing. It is the gift of God. We didn't do it on our own. 
John 9, 2 says this. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents? And he, went, he was born blind, that he was born blind. There's a lot of people that think that God is that kind of God. I'm going to punish you because of the condition of the world. No. Jesus corrects that real quickly. If we stop with nothing but the question these men ask, we would eventually arrive at a reason for explaining away the physical blindness of this man and the spiritual blindness of the unsaved. But we can't stop at that question. In other words, Jesus answered and said, It is not this man who sinned or his parents, in verse 3, but that the work of God might be displayed on him. Jesus doesn't stop with just saying, uh, you know, listening to their question. He says, It is because of the glory of God. It is because God is getting ready to do something great. That's why this man is the way he is. I want you to hear me this morning. We are going through a tough time in the world around us, but it has never been a more productive environment for the glory of God to begin to show itself. Are you listening to me this morning? What you're facing, what I'm facing, what this world is facing is the atmosphere that is set for miracles to take place. And I want you to hear me this morning. God is still the one who can do miracles. I just don't. I refuse to believe our miracles were, were, were just for his day and his time. And they ceased with the, the apostles. I don't know who come up with that doctrine from hell. But it is out of hell. Because my God still performs miracles. I have witnessed miracles. The healing of the blind. I have witnessed the lame walk. I have witnessed people delivered of cancer. I have witnessed people with their last breath be given new breath by the Holy Spirit. What are you saying, Pastor? I still believe that God does miracles, but He does not do miracles so the church will get themselves all worked up into a frenzy. He does miracles so that the world may see that He is real and that the church may turn and say, come follow Jesus, and He will do more and greater than you ever imagined in your life. Turn to Jesus. Paul shares with us in 1 Timothy verses, uh, for, uh, chapter 1, verses 12 through 16. He says, I thank, I thank him who has give, given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, anointed me with, for, to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and uh, an, an insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I have acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. They, the, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason that in me, that in me at the, uh, the foremost Christ Jesus might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were, uh, who were to believe in him for eternal life. The Apostle Paul is saying that even, th even then God was using the things that, that he had done, the wrong that he had committed to become a testimony of the grace and the saving power of Jesus. In other words, I still say it and I'll still say it today. He still makes our mess a message. Oh my goodness. He still makes our failures a stepping stone to victory. Amen. In other words, it is an event, not a person. So we can wallow in failure all day long and say, I'm just happy that Jesus saved me or I can get up, dust my clothes off and give the glory to God for what he's brought me out of. Oh my goodness. 
Paul says, I was the chief among sinners. I was the head of all sinners. But God used my ignorance. <laughs> Don't you hear that? He used my ignorance for his glory. For his glory. It doesn't matter where you are today. It doesn't matter what you've done today. You didn't bring, yourself, bring this upon yourself. Sin brought this upon you. God can turn the tables this morning in your life. God can turn around the situations of hopelessness that you're praying about today. Amen. God can open your eyes and let you see. It is time for the church to quit being blind and start seeing through spiritual eyes what God is wanting to do in this world around us. It's time to open our eyes. It's time for God to touch our blindness and let us become aware of the times and the seasons we're living. Some of us are living like there's no judgment. Some of us are living like doesn't matter what we do. There's no consequences. There are consequences for our actions. There are consequences for my lack of faith. I think about how many, how many times God would have moved had I had faith. Come on, will you stand? I'm going to close this service with a time of prayer, but before, before we have any music, I just got to share this today. Y'all can come on up, but I just got to share this today. Um, I went to bed Friday night, and we got in from the game, and after a little bit, I went and laid down and kind of unwound a little bit, fell asleep. But I had a dream, and uh, I don't share a lot of the dreams that the Lord gives me, and I don't get a lot of dreams. I just know when it's one from the Lord, and it was one of the most beautiful dreams I think I've ever had. Because I'm going to tell you, God's doing something in the men of this church. I know He's doing it in our ladies, but I mean, I'm going to talk from a man's perspective. God is doing something in the men of this church. We've been walking through some devotions together. And uh, if you would like to do those with us, it's off the, the YouVersion Bible app. All I need is just you to friend me on that app because I would love for you to join us. And they're not lengthy devotions. They're just short little devotions. And you can, you can go through those in just no time at all. But it's on, it just seems to be leading to the same stuff on being a kingdom man. Being, being the man of God that we're supposed to be, the men of God we're supposed to be. And I'm thankful for ladies that pray. Oh, I would be nowhere without the prayers of a lot of ladies, and that one right there especially. But I believe men have allowed the women in our families to carry the spiritual weight for too long. That's just being plain and blunt. But in my dream, we were in a church service. Now, I've never seen the building so full, but that's not what overwhelmed me. The numbers was not what caught my attention. It was the men leading their families in worship. Hands raised, just group after group after group of our men leading their families to worship God. 
And the power and the presence of God was so real. So real. I saw our men ministering to other families. I saw God doing His work like never before. And I woke up and I just felt God all over the bedroom and I had to get up. It was Saturday. I wanted to sleep in. That's our only day to get a little bit extra sleep because we're moving all week long just like everybody else. And Saturday we get to get a little bit extra rest. But I woke up at 5.30 out of that dream and I felt the presence of the Lord so real. And I just went and sat in the den by myself and said, God, I long to see that because that's when real revival is going to take place. Well, let's face it. How many fatherless homes do we have today? And I know that you can point the finger all day long, but we got fatherless homes. And I understand the circumstances, but the beauty of that dream was we had men stepping into the gap to fill that, the shoes <laughs> where there was missing fathers. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that God is ready to move and to work. God is ready to bring revival. But our eyes need to be open. What's holding us back, church? What's keeping us from being who God wants us to be? Will we continue to allow the enemy to keep the blinders on? Or will we rise up in the name of Jesus and say, no more. I want to see. I want to see the unseen. God, give me eyes to see and ears to hear. Eyes to see and ears to hear. What the Spirit's saying to the church. What the Spirit's revealing to the church. I'm going to ask you if you would just to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. power of the unseen is looking at the hopeless situation and seeing hope the power of the unseen is looking at a heart that seems so far from God and seeing God save them the power of the unseen is not being controlled by the circumstances of my world but realizing God is still in control. The power of the unseen is having faith when all that I see in the flesh says God has abandoned me. <laughs> the power of the unseen will shake this community as we believe in faith that our God is moving mountains. This morning, if you're in this room and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I'm not talking about somebody selling you some little fire insurance policy years ago. I'm talking about right now in your heart, you know you're not living like you should. That you are far from God. You're far from God. And if you were to stand before this holy God today, you really don't know where you would stand. 
In other words, where the, if you were on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you for being a Christian this morning? A follower of Jesus. And if you're in this room and you don't know that your destination is heaven, look, it's one thing to, to be told I'm going to heaven. I'm talking about in your heart, you don't know. I won't point you out. I won't drag you down here. That's not what I do. But you don't have that assurance today. You just really don't know. I'm begging you, just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. That's all I want to do. Come on. Have that courage. Thank you. There's some others. Have some courage this morning. No looking around. This between you and God. Have some courage this morning. You just don't know. You don't have that assurance that you would go to heaven. And you don't know where your destination would be. I want you to lift your hand and put it right back down. There's some that already have. There's some others that need to respond right now. Come on. You'll feel better just taking that one action, that one act of obedience, saying, here, here I am, God. I need you. Come on. There's some others. I, just, I feel it in my heart. Somebody's holding back. We're, we're, maybe we're embarrassed. There's no reason to be embarrassed. The embarrassing thing is to walk out of here without hope, knowing that God gave me a way out. One more time, if that's you, raise your hand. Put it right back down. All right. If you're saved today, but if you were to be honest, you're not seeing through spiritual eyes. You're not hearing through spiritual ears. Everything you see is interpreted by the circumstances that you're looking at instead of the things of God. You're not hearing the voice of God like you should. You're not seeing God at work the way that you know you should be seeing Him working in your life. If that's you and you're ready for God to open your eyes to see I want you, and your ears to hear, I want you just to lift your hands. Come on. I know there's some folks in this room need to respond. Come on, there's some others. You need to respond. I'm telling you, you're one act of obedience away from seeing deliverance. There are some others in this room right now. Come on. You're ready to see. You're tired of the world telling you how things are. You're tired of seeing things through the eyes and the lens of the world. You're ready for God to begin to reveal to you His glory, His power, and His presence like never before. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. We would like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. We pray that you receive something from the Lord today. Please share your prayer requests and testimonies with us by emailing us at tryonhwc at gmail.com. If you would like more information concerning Harvest Worship Center, you can visit our website at tryonhwc.com. We would love for you to visit us in person sometime. Our services are held at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Children's Worship is during our 11 a.m. service. If you would like to give to the ministries of Harvest Worship Center, you can also do this by clicking the Giving tab online. Once again, we would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray you have a blessed week.